office hours with Ernest Wilkins was recorded live at Mass in the greatest city in the world, Chicago, USA. This is Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Menokel. Hi. Alex, how you feeling, man? Oh, man, I feel, you know what? I feel great. I'm, what time is it? It's 11-ish. And it's it's time to get a watch is what time it is. Time I, you know watch. what? I walked right into that one. That kind of, I, I need a nice pack for my head. That, I, I banged my head on the door jam of that total diss. Is that a diss? That's not a diss. That's a, what did I walk into there? Do you want to hear the best joke of all time? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Two guys walk into a bar. One ducks. Uh, that's a good one. That's and with that, no friends, let's take a segue into today's topic. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to Office Hours. My name is Ernest Wilkins. That's Alex Minical. And in our studio today, taped live here at Mass Studios, uh, we have Mr. John Carruthers. John, hi. How are you? Good. If anything, a little worried my voice isn't sultry enough for this podcast. I try to keep a, a a steady baritone at all times, you know. It's working. Just, that's a precedent. <laughs> just check out what Ernest is doing and follow that. That's what I do. He's the master. We're just students here. Hey. Just trying to. Today, friends, we are going to talk about a fantastic concept that I think applies to a lot of folks who live in the region we live in. And basically, our loose title is How the Sausage Gets Made in Chicago. How the Sausage Gets Made, Distributed, Eaten, Etc. Right. Now, if you, this is your first time listening to Office Hours, this is a podcast about the business of culture. And in, within the world of culture, there are things like food and drink, all fantastic things that you, people use to express themselves and emotions and love. And, you know, it's something you got to do every day. So we decided today to take a look at the business behind the culture of encased meats. <laughs> yeah. And, and the idea behind this is, you know, as we talked uh, last time, we're, we're, this is episode two of uh, the Office Hour Cinematic Universe uh, monoculture edition. So, uh, you know, when culture and capitalism collide, there's a real chance that the winners uh, are going to define the culture, right? And, and right. we talked about this in the Disney episode. Yep. Where like, there's, there's a giant corporation out there kind of deciding what like 40% of the movies that you're, you're going to watch are, are going to be. And the, the same thing can, can happen in a place like Chicago where there are uh, a ton of restaurants serving very similar foods. Um, so we brought in John Carruthers here to talk a little bit about that. You got some background in the hot dog biz. Is that right? I, I am a graduate of hot dog university. Uh written many articles on the topic. I am currently working on an article about sausage. It's just a topic that never leaves my, my brain. I mean, I have to say, like, when, when I've mentioned a couple times that we were working on a hot dog episode, literally everyone is like, hey, I know three people in the business. I know We couldn't throw a rock outside the window without hitting somebody who knew somebody or was somebody that worked at hot dogs. This is why I could never live in another city. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are hot dogs in other cities, but Chicago's special, right? The hot dog scene here is different, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's one of the stars on the flag. I have to go back uh, check yeah. my Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. it's the but fire, the the World's Fair, uh, for the Dearborn. river, a Polish and a, a Polish and a dog. The Casimir Pulaski's <laughs> on the flag, right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. 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 And for people listening at home, definitely Wikipedia, the Chicago flag. I, I, I my uh, a very close relative of mine was visiting and 
at one point she saw like the flag is on a koozie or something and she's just like what is this what is this i see it on it's on people's houses and tattoos i had no idea what it was i had to explain it yeah i have people come into town and they're like why do the police have the flag of israel on their uniforms (laughs) (laughs) that's fine the star is totally different though so um Let's see. What did you want to tell us a little bit? Up my, like you went to Hot Dog University. You've written mm-hmm. about hot dogs. How is the hot dog scene in Chicago different from the cheeseburger scene or the gyro scene, for example? Like, what is what is unique about the way that Chicago treats hot dogs? Sure. Um, I think that Chicago is a little different on hot dogs than it is for burgers and um, even pizza uh, for something that we have a little bit of a, a local identity for because there's just such a, a unique presence of like the same type of hot dog throughout all these like beloved stands you don't usually get that combination of something that's both like a beloved local mom and pop and like a large industry defining um producer like vienna beef is so smart and the chicago style hot dog is so iconic because back when all these brands were still competing when they had any local competition they were presenting the you know the the same topping dog the big Mm -hmm. yellow colors the dog, the seeded bun, peppers, sport pepper, uh, peppers, pickles, tomato. You know, it's Celery that salt. image, you know, that you see on those Vienna posters, that you see on the Vienna tin tackers. Those are, you know, what's all around Chicago. So that shaped people's conceptions of what a hot dog was. And whether it's, you know, like Wolfie's or Fluky's or, you know, any of those places that aren't the Depression dog. Right. It's a Vienna dog, but it's also got that cachet of being like a cool local mom and pop, like neighborhood roots place. It's pretty genius, I think. So if you're a hot dog stand owner, um, is Vienna beef like going to be selling you something no matter what? Are there kind of the neon relish? Um, you know, they make it at the biggest scale, you know, with that blue. It's actually a blue dye to create that neon green. It's uh, intense. Yeah. And. Yeah, they yeah. they also if you, if you're thinking oh well I'll just serve Red Hot Chicago at my stand they own Red Hot Chicago nice yeah so they that's the other piece of it right, where I kind of think can you kind of talk to us about those things where it's like people don't really know that a lot of this is all coming from the same place you think you're getting a sense of variety oh I want Red Hot Chicago versus Vienna Beef or whatever like is that something that you think more people should be aware of when they're making their purchases um, you know you can have I think it's David Berg dogs are still uh, an independent uh, producer. I got to tell you, though, someone's eating a lot of hot dogs. I think Vienna Beef kind of rose to the top in the scene because, like, they do make a very tasty dog, whether you like the natural casing or you like the skinless. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, when I was doing the whole hot dog university thing, I got to go into a taste panel, um, and that's where they just test what's coming off the line that it's, you know, in spec. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, the, the Vienna dogs next to the um, Red Hot Chicago dogs. I got to tell you, man, like, Vienna just has the tastier dog. Hmm. And so, that, that's an all-beef dog, right? It is, yeah. So back when you could still tour that place, uh, for the story I wrote for Serious Eats about Hot Dog University, I got to go on the floor back when they were still producing the dogs on Damon Avenue there, where just <laughs> the offices in the cafeteria are now. And I'm telling you, the meat that comes in, like, you know, I, you see it, it comes in as these gigantic, beautiful, like, briskets. I mean, whole packer briskets. And these union butchers are just, like, gliding with these knives over them. You're just trimming them up. It's mixed with this 95% lean, like, bowl meat to mm-hmm. get the, the consistent fat quantity. Um, and it's all just kind of made right there, like, from brisket to dog, like, just in a snap. And it was really, it was great. It 
not every hot dog company uses the good stuff. I mean, like, you know, you get a lot of those pork dogs or the yeah, sort of leaving dogs. I'm trying but. to explain to people who don't necessarily live in the Midwest, per se, like, I think there are a lot of people who assume pork hot dog is just the standard. And so when you talk mm-hmm. about, like, a Vienna beef or a kosher beef hot dog or something like that, I think it's a regional thing, which I didn't know about. I didn't know that that was something mm-hmm. that wasn't everywhere. Yeah, and I don't, th- I think the, I don't think they're technically kosher anymore because they use the natural casing ones in the same plant. But it is, I mean, if you're not observant, very similar to a kosher dog. I think you know, and also like hot dogs have that reputation of like, oh, this is like the crap meat that gets all kind of ground up. At least in the one hot dog plant I've ever toured, the Vienna plant, like it is a really good dog made from really good products. And I think I think the term is trimmings. Trimmings, yeah. yeah. They say trimming. They don't generally call it. Crap meat. I think people. Is it, that's just like a stereotype. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No. I totally. It's like people just. It's like a joke you pass down with your friend. <laughs> I mean, I will but say. it is. Gr- it is heartwarming to know that you're actually. Oh, seeing like yeah. This actually kind of just l- took a weight off my chest because that just hearing that I'm like, oh god, okay. No, and you can't tour the factory. You know, they're in the old Sarah Lee factory on the south side now since right. they redid that intersection. Right. Um, and you can't tour the factory anymore. I feel like I really I got a, a peek behind the curtain as it closed. I feel like they didn't <laughs> want like the smell from the hot dogs wafting into Midtown while people were like working out. You know, what <laughs> you mean? think it was the high rollers yeah. that got them out of there? Yeah, it was like they were like, you know, I'm trying to play tennis over here and I got to smell these hot dogs. Well, wh- one thing that's interesting to me is that the all beef hot dog, a it's, I, I think, frankly, better tasting. But frankly, it, I see the, what uh, you did. Hey. Is, is, okay, okay, okay. But it, it is, uh, it is definitely better tasting, and uh, it's. An innovation, right? The original Frankfurter that came over from, uh, from I guess Germany, was a pork sausage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has evolved over time. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you see as like potential for innovation in the hot dog scene in Chicago? Because I think one of the things that we see in monoculture is like there's a risk here that there is just one way to eat a hot dog, and then. The systems behind that just reinforce it, and then it squashes innovation. But also, from a cultural perspective, I think a lot of people's idea of a hot dog lives and dies with their earliest experience with it, right? True. So, you know, backyard barbecue, you're out at the lake, something like that. You know, I think the simple bun, you're at a ball game, that kind of experience. For me, like, I understand that there's artisan sausages, there's all kinds of crazy blends and all that stuff. But I think I sometimes am just like, I'm at a, a, a baseball game. I want a Vienna beef hot dog and I want mustard on it and I want you to stop talking to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's, what is that? At a certain point, is the innovation being resisted? Because I feel like a lot of people are into the idea of like artisan hot dogs, but maybe more aren't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, yes, absolutely. I'm in a baseball game. I want that. I want that dog that's been steaming, you know, in that guy's metal box for like an hour. Yeah. 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 Leave me alone is a great way to put it. too. Um, but I don't know, one of my favorite hot dog stands that closed last year is actually reopening. It's called UB Dogs in the in the Loop. I love UB Dogs. Dude, so Joe, the, the Joey. owner, yeah, oh my he, God. he couldn't keep himself away from it. But like the Joey Dog is the, an innovative hot dog, and it's one of the best fries, yeah, wasabi aioli. I mean, just this combination you I would never pick out. But guy knows what he likes to eat. Put it on a dog, and he he was flying through those, and presumably will be again when he reopens pretty soon. And has the do you feel like the evolution of the Chicago hot dog? Like the classic Chicago hot dog stopped when Vienna beef basically defined it as it is. Yeah, I'm not sure that stopped, but it definitely sort of took the conversation and you have to start from there now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of people forget the celery salt because it's not as visible on those tin tackers or in the thing. But like, man, celery salt makes the dog. Yeah, we have we have two 
things of celery salt in the kitchen, in the mess kitchen over here. Yeah, just in case anyone has to have a, a dog right now. Yeah, we don't we want anybody some, ever yeah. to not have the like, resources they need to be successful. In case of That's emergency, good. open the Doing celery Doing the good salt. work. Listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, I guess somebody is an avid, let's say they're, they're into making meat, they're into grilling, they're into barbecuing. They think they might want to do something like this. They might want to get into the world of sausages. Is there any insight that you learned from your writings, the research you've done from those that you can probably impart to people about the business of actually starting a hot dog stand? Sure. Um, at present, you know, 2019, people still expect a hot dog stand meal to be under 10 bucks. So you're putting a lot of sort of uh, economic pressure on yourself from the start. You also have to be really good at repeating the same thing over and over and over and over. And people get into food and cooking in restaurants because, like, they love to do it. And I think the mindset is a little destructive for people who, like, find themselves on the 80th hot dog or 80th order of fries dropped in the fryer, find it a little tedious. Like, make sure you like the tedium. Make sure you like systems. Make sure you like repetition, which isn't to say you can't love it. I enjoy both aspects, you know, equally. But there's, a, you know, you, you have to figure out your neighborhood. A lot of great restaurants or even, like, good restaurants have died due to the wrong space or mm -hmm. the wrong people or just people assuming their friends are going to do things for free. Like your designer friend does not want to brand your hot dog stand. Your photographer <laughs> friend does not want to take food shots for free. Um, spend time on social media too. I think most places start these accounts, say, oh, it's easy. Like I'm going to start this Facebook page. All my customers are going to come to me. And then it just sits there and it dies. You know, you have to keep up you have to decide what platforms you want to be on because really no one can be on all of them i mean i work at revolution brewing and we still don't do every social media platform so pick the ones you think you're going to be good at and that you can commit to and stick to it like you want to create a relationship with the customers beyond the transactional right so how do you scout foot traffic did you did you go through that process mm -hmm. uh, um yeah so you can really talk to any commercial real estate agent and um It'll give you an idea of like what you can afford in different parts of the city. Mm -hmm. There's a map in one of my Serious Eats articles where, you know, back in 2016, like these were the prices per square foot for these business storefronts in different parts of the city. Yeah, uh, some I'm, parts of the city are still a pretty good deal. Some mm -hmm. are a terrible deal. That's why you see a lot of the mom and pop hot dog stands closing in like River North downtown. Right. right. Super expensive rents. I, I was I, I saw that map and I was thinking, oh, look, looks like the my neighborhood would be a great place to open a hot dog stand. But guess what? There's. The, the rents are cheap because nobody, there's not a lot of foot traffic there. So. Yeah, and if you have too much foot traffic, that can kill a business too. Like people, mm -hmm. not everyone can take the strain of being like consistently good all the time. Like places print money sometimes, but you got to get those people to come back too. You're mm -hmm. you're not just you know transacting all the stuff. You're creating a customer base and relationships. And like if they're getting soggy wet fries, like eh, they might not come back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of that also has to stamp. You know, you think about the the other things that are inherent. So putting your hot dog spot next to a bar. Exactly. Not the worst idea in the world, you know? Yeah. Pippins and the Chicago plate and the dog next to there. They're literally just licensed just, to print money. I think just a pass-through. Yeah. Lo local, uh, <laughs> just a shout-out to my local hangout, the Nighthawk, which is right next to Hot Dog Station up at Kimball and Lawrence. Great combo up there. I respect it. Yeah, dear, dear Hot Dog Station, please start staying open later. It's like, the, I'd also like to take this moment to shout-out the sausage lady in front of East Room. On uh, Logan mm -hmm. Square, um, you have saved my life and the lives of others. You deserve some sort of street named after you, maybe a plaque. I don't know. <laughs> so, so you mentioned, uh, was it UBs? UB dogs. UB dogs. Yeah. dogs They're in the so loops. good. Oh my gosh. So there are, there are. I mean, 
there are specificities to different dogs that you'll get at different places. You can, I think, get a, a classic dog pretty much anywhere. But um, like, what are like, what are you going for when you go to a hot dog stand? Are you looking for that that new different thing, or are you looking for the for the classic? A little bit of both. Like, I'll always try something new and different. And luckily, I'm a big eat monster, so like, I can try something new and different and have my classic <laughs> and just like knock this all out in one visit. Nice. So. Um, if it's in the classic, like the good places know how to treat the buns. Bad mm. place, you get a stale bun, unheated, whatever. You get a good steamed poppy seed bun, you know it's a pretty good hot dog stand. Also, the tomatoes tend to be sad at a lot of hot dog stands, even pretty decent ones. If I get a good tomato, I know the know I know that the owner cares about what they're doing, and I'll definitely come back. I, I gotta say, there are like nine months out of the year, I just it's no tomato. No tomato on anything because you cannot get a good tomato between like I guess November and May. It just can't be done. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm on the, the standpoint as well of just like eat food when it's in season. But the other thing that is kind of intriguing around it, we talk about like the intangibles that make up a good hot dog spot. So we think about Chicago street food, right? And somebody asked me, you know, other than deep dish pizza, what Chicago's like thing? And I was like, well, there's so many street food like iconic items, like the Big Baby Cheeseburger, mm-hmm. you know, um, the Maxwell Street Polish, like so on and forth. Gym so shoe. The gym. So yeah, the gym shoe is kind of a wild one to me. Like I don't. <laughs> What's the, what? You never heard of gym shoe before? Tell me about this. I've only. <laughs> I gym, just gym got shoe here. Is everything I, street food. Legitimately in a, in a hoagie roll. <laughs> really? Yeah. You want to? Yeah, John, you explain to him. Yeah, it's got. It's got gyro meat, yes. roast beef, chopped up burger. Yeah. Some will have hot dogs. <laughs> some will have hot dogs. Some will have pastrami, depending on where you are. Oh, the pastrami ones are the best, yeah. man. Depending um, on where you are in the city. Yeah, yes. onions, lettuce, tomato. Some places have mild sauce. Yeah, uh, it's really it's li- yeah. it's like the marriage of every Chicago between tzatziki, yeah. feta, all of it. Okay, that's everything. It's on a roll. I, yeah. I could go for that. Yeah, I could go for that. Like if you've had between four and twelve beers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, you literally will save your life between four and twelve. All right, that's I don't a, judge. Man. No, live I, your life. Live your I, life. I'll, I'll I'll set the counter. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it is a it is a raccoon sized legitimate sandwich of deliciousness. Yeah. Sounds and and sometimes it, it's exactly what you need. Exactly. That sounds great, guy. Yeah, man. Jim Shu, the mother in law. There's so many. Oh, mother in law is great too. So, what have you seen? Have you ever seen somebody try to do something and just been like, "That is not working. I don't like that. That is not a doll." Uh, hot dog I want to try yeah and it's usually a textural thing it's not even that it doesn't taste good it's that people will pile so much stuff on it like chopped up in big chunks or messy it just falls apart and once I'm like eating the component pieces of it like a toddler it's just not I'm not having it anymore <laughs> like if you have to break it up and yeah just, yeah that's no, no good there's one place that did a pretty good combination that you wouldn't normally think of it was um Oh, Chubby Wiener is one of my least favorite names, but a pretty decent stand up in Lincoln Square. There's got to be a better way to say that. They do the Jumbo Frank with uh, caramelized pineapple, Mm. uh, blue cheese, and barbecue sauce. And it's kind of got a Hawaiian pizza kind of deal to it, but it works far better here than on the pizza. And I wouldn't necessarily have tried it, but I was trying to do the new thing. Right. Very tasty. So that's interesting because I think you advocate for a point that I think is something that is important in all the culture. You have, let's say I have a friend. This friend has the appetite of an eight-year-old. <laughs> a lot of chicken strips, you know, a lot of, a lot of garlic bread. What would you say to get people who are resistant to trying new foods to try them as an adult? I just... I, I I always try to convince them they're gonna like it better. Like this this ketchup only dog that you have, like 
put a little onion on it, you're going to like it even better. Like, I, first thing you can't do is you don't just like be like, nah, you're wrong. This is bad. This is why food Twitter is kind of bad. Yeah. Like, the Most no, Twitter the is no ketchup. Yeah. Yeah. The no, you know, the no ketchup uh, dogma and all that. Like, yeah. You don't get anywhere changing people's mind and changing the culture by just telling them they're wrong and shutting off further discussion. Try yeah. to convince them what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And and getting back to what we we're talking about, like the all beef hot dog or the kosher hot dog, those are, I think, innovations that are are there to bring in a bigger audience. You know, mm-hmm. is it possible to do a a, a a hot dog that doesn't have either beef or pork, right? Or is it possible to have something that's even more culturally inclusive, like a halal dog, for example? Um, are those things that are even like on the radar? Yeah, a lot of places. I know UB used to talk a lot about having halal approved meat for like the burgers and everything and the euros. Maybe not the euros, the chicken. Um, but yes, I, I think the more you can, like this is why I love the Impossible Burger so much because like, first of all, it tastes good. It tastes like a burger. But like whatever brings more people under the tent, I'm into it. Like mm. I was, you know, as a in a much former life as like a part time cook. Like we cooked so many bad veggie burgers and it just has like a carrot with ketchup on it. Like I, I like that we are finally getting to a place where the the meat substitutes are like acceptable yeah. and you know as a more sort of earth friendly thing. Like I'm into that too. I think cool. I think it's also nice to be able to have a little variety in your diet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't be out here crushing beef dogs to the face every day. Yeah, that would be silly. I don't know. <laughs> We're both just eating a hot dog as we say that. So I think one of the things that is, is fascinating about the idea of this culture is you talked about the overarching culture of like Chicago and like the street food and like hot dogs. And one of the things, like I think monoculturally, it is very easy to just those those no, no ketchup people. That's mm-hmm. kind of a, I won't say it's a personality trait. But some people have defined it like I'm from Chicago. Don't put ketchup on my hot dog. Like, and it's and so to that point, I think as a person who is trying to make money off of that, isn't it way easier just to just keep that stereotype kind of running? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, some hot dog stands totally lean into it. They'll like not only not have ketchup in the house. It's like hot dog Nazis. But like, yeah, yeah, mean, some, like Seinfeld, mean yeah. signs about ketchup. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's your brand. And if you want to do that, that's fine. Like if it's your thing to be like gruff and grumpy and stuff, like I get that. Hmm. As a, a father who likes to be left alone and sit in the backyard, I very much get grumpy as your brand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get the. Why are you scowling? I'm like. I'm not. That's, I don't. I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm just I think looking at things. Yeah. I think there's a difference <laughs> between a place like leaning into its perception as like an old school, like you know, Southside place or whatever, and like just being a guy on Twitter who sucks at talking to other people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally. I, I agree. There's there's definitely room for inclusivity there. I, I think. Um, one thing I one thing I wanted to ask you about is there's there's this idea that there are some things that are best eaten where they're prepared, right? Like you don't want to home make sushi, right? And if you do, it won't be anywhere as good as the sushi you get at the counter where the guys made it for 45 years. I don't right? like making hot dogs at home. Right. I don't, and the, the, I don't the, think the, I have any sort of range to be able to cook them the way that I want them to eat them. I one time made hot dogs at home, and I mean, I ground the meat, I cured the beef, I ground the meat, I smoked, I, I cold smoked them. I, my God, like what an insane person thing to do. This is hot dogs are fundamentally one of those foods that you should go and pay for. And how did how were they? No, they were delicious, but it was like eight hours of my day, and I had like you know opened a twelve pack of something with a friend of mine when we started. Like, oh, this will take us a few hours. 
takes you 10 times longer the first time you cook anything like that. And by the end of the day, we're like way too tipsy playing Mario Kart, waiting for these stupid dogs to come off and be like, man, this could have cost us like $8 and 15 minutes. Right. And you could have been playing more Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. I, I do love a good project cooking, a cooking project, like for the holidays or for whatever. Yeah. But if it, if it's like, for like there's people waiting for your barbecue to the food to come off, you don't want that. Yeah. This was just us. I, I wouldn't subject other people to this weight, but yeah, this is, this was a thing that was fun to do once and doing it two or three times would be the product of it, either an editorial project or a deranged psyche. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I want to like in researching this article, one thing I found was that like hot dogs are the subject of lists everywhere. Everyone wants to make a list of, or has made a list. You've made a list and, and there's been, there's lists everywhere of the of hot dog, hot dog places in Chicago. If uh, a meteor is about to strike Chicago, but you have time to go out for one hot dog. I'm not saying you're, you're, you're in, I don't know where I would start you, but say you're here, you're in this podcast studio. Yeah. Maybe you have access to a helicopter. You, you sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Out on the mess roof. Yeah, the mess, the, the mess the, helicopter. The, the mess yeah. copter is the mess up copter. there. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I assume this isn't a death from above situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you got to go get one hot dog and, uh, where would you go? All right. If I'm coming from here, and let's say we're talking in a couple months. I'm heading back to UB Dogs. That dude, that, that if if UB Dogs is open for another 20 years, that's the all timer place that people are going to be talking about. Like, oh, I've been here. I agree. Like, I mean, that that has the potential because to be, you know what it is. I think it's the youngest. It's the youngest old school stand that is centrally located in the city. Exactly, and it's yeah. the loop is just with each yeah. passing year, just like a desert of cool stuff. There's yeah. like UB Dogs and there's Harry's Sandwich Shop and down in the Monadnock yeah. building. And like, I can't, I am struggling to come up with three other places to name between those two Seriously locations. Cafe. <laughs> See, yeah. I don't go for, there for the that's, food though. That's for Mad Men drinking. Yeah. <laughs> we call that business drinking. <laughs> the Walnut Room. Yeah. yeah the wall- Ooh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. Swank. Okay. The second question is, uh, the meteor uh, is taking a swing around the moon. We have an extra couple months here, or, or more time. We've got more time. Uh, and you're going to be making hot dogs at home. You have time to go to the grocery sh- grocery store. What what hot dogs do you pick up to grill at home? I st- I'm still going to go with the Vienna dogs, although um, Usinger's out of, I think, Milwaukee okay. makes yes. some very fine sausages that I buy at home a lot. And bacon. Yes, their bacon is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That thick cut stuff yep. is like that slab diner bacon. It comes out just perfectly crispy. I love it. Good stuff. Yeah, I can do that. And then if I got some extra time, like I got to hit up Byron's in my neighborhood. I am a Ravenswood oh guy. Byron's. Yeah, Byron's on Lawrence. Byron's on Lawrence. Yeah. I grew up going to Byron's. I used to live yeah. right, yeah. Uh, right by there, right near the. Yeah, the place is great. That's this is another place where it's like buy, eat it at the point of purchase because I got those super thin fries that yeah. they they oh. put up in the paper sack and they're so delicious, freshly dressed. But man, like if you're gonna be in the car for like five or six minutes, those things are gonna die. Yeah, yeah. I I, I fundamentally believe that the best like like the order of food goodness is like make it yourself then like like get as close as possible to the cooking as you can make it yourself go out and get it like the takeout or delivery thing everything gets worse especially fries yeah it's that's the delivery apps like it i have to get it sometimes if i'm like home with the kids and my wife's gone and i'm like i don't pay like an extra seven bucks for a worse version of this thing i love right have you heard and, and there's this thing called dark kitchens no. Dark kitchens that are sounds sexy. What is so, it? <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. I meant dark kitchens. There it is. Yeah, the, uh, the Baywatch the, nights. The of idea Grum is uh, <laughs> the idea is it's a uh, delivery service, right? So it's a kitchen that doesn't have any walk-in service. 
Um, And so there's a company in the UK, I believe it's called Deliveroo, Mm -hmm. and they stock huge kitchens out of which many, many businesses can operate. It's like the cloud kitchen idea? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there's no walk-in. It's just it basically um, uh, helps like- uh, You see a lot of businesses like just doing that. Like we're just going to be strictly Uber Eats. Right. You know, and they make food. And sometimes I think that- even the places that are these straight up cloud kitchen ideas are also standing restaurants and they just get money out the side door too. Sure. Yeah. Right. I I think I want to see that delivery aspect, like the idea that all your fried anything is going to be soggy, your burger is going to be terrible, et cetera. Like somebody has got to be able to fix that. Right. Yeah. You'd think so. I, and you know, I actually uh, know the owner of taco in a bag up on Lincoln. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, every time I go in there, it's like, they're filling app orders. They're not, they're not, you know, having a, there might be a person sitting down or there might be people getting stuff to go, but literally so much of that business is like these six delivery app, you know, mini tablets that they're just like tapping on. Cause I've, I've been by taco in a bag many times. I should go in there. It's, it's tasty. It's a gluttonous, it's a gluttonous treat for the senses. Here's the thing right down the road, Taqueria Asadero on Montrose. They got to take credit cards, man. I never have cash when I'm over there. That place is legit. Too. The only reason I have cash on me in Lincoln square is to go there. <laughs> I, it's just, I have a little, a little stash box of cash hidden in the park. And it is. Yeah. I have the, I have a 20 <laughs> rolled up behind my license. And I'm like, Oh man, taco money. I forgot about you. That's me with Budakis. Yeah, Budakis oh is pretty good, God. too. Budakis driving on Damon? You know it. Yeah, that's a good place. Shout out to them. They started serving some of the Korean food there, yes, too, and it's the real good. Stuff? Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's an old school place. I mean, the, it is just, it's like so old, but the ceilings are low, like like when you go into like Revolutionary War era. I like that, it's like It makes oh, me feel like home. It's like, get low. Oh, yeah. People, and they, people <laughs> were smaller when they built that's this. That's right. Thing. It used to be yellow inside, and I'm like, <laughs> that's an unpleasant color, so they like painted it this sickly shade of neon green, yeah. and now I'm like, hey, if I want the Powerball, I would buy Budakis, because I could repaint it whatever color I want, and then I would own a pretty cool hot dog stand, <laughs> yeah, exactly, too. Sure. They, have, they have really good buns. Um, so I think this is something interesting that kind of signifies a, a shift in culture, right? The app-focused restaurants. Do we think that there might be a future where the Chicago hot dog stand will just be a, the, the experience you have delivered to your house? Boy, I hope not. I'm not I'm not an economist. I'm sorry if you invited me here under those circumstances. Get out. Get out. I generally don't like the idea of an industry moving to something where a third party located, you know, God knows where, is taking a substantial cut of the portion, so much so that it becomes like a publicly valued, publicly traded company. I hate the idea of the connection between, you know, like, so it was, for me, you know, as a suburban kid growing up, it was Tommy's Red Hots in Crystal Lake. So, you know, (laughs) I hate the idea of like every, you know, Lil John and Tommy interaction has to go through, you know, some UX engineer in Santa Fe, like, you know, taking 30% off the top. It's not the most conducive to innovation or to, you know, like creating those kind of long-term lasting experiences, you know, kind of created the culture we're talking about on this podcast today. It's, it's, it's an algorithm. I don't think you should have algorithms when it comes to lunch. (laughs) But, but the idea is like the, the future of retail, right, is, is, partly uh, wrapped up in that, right? Like the idea of a store may be going away. And similarly, the idea of a restaurant as a place. I think the death of retail in and of itself is something that will take a lot longer than people estimate for it to happen. Because the assumption is kind of, and then again, this is speaking from a place of particular ignorance, but I think a lot of the people who make these assumptions don't get outside that often. 
because <laughs> America is a is a country where there are a lot of different things, but also there's a lot of advancements and a lot of people who have technological stuff going out on that other parts of the country don't. Sure. And so you go somewhere like I just got back from down south, and like my uncle just got Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Now he doesn't live, but the thing is, he doesn't live what? in like a one horse town. He lives outside of Mobile, Alabama, and so it's a situation where it's like that's a place, like that place has power. What, what <laughs> has was the first? Hold on, what was the first thing he did? Like on like his Wi-Fi? Did he, is it just like he goes to Netflix and it's like, damn, <laughs> like all this was right here the whole time? What, what did he I like? Do? You get my uncle in a country accent. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I got stuff on this TV. <laughs> I, um, I, I give everyone a country accent, um, but. I think the the piece of it that I think with that is like people still make an event out of going to a restaurant. Mm -hmm. People still make an event out of taking their kid to the hot dog stand, ice cream shop, whatever you want to call it. I think when people are talking about retail in and of itself, I think they're talking about the the you know anchor store, you know Sears, like those kind of companies that are so humongous and take up so much real estate. But I think the smaller businesses in a lot of towns sometimes are preferred over the bigger thing, just from like just mm -hmm. you know you trust it more. You know the guy. You know you, you may have worked there when you were sixteen. Like I think that's the kind of thing that isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, and yeah. there's something to be said about the handmade aspect, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like having stood there and put together hot dogs. Do you feel like you, that is a job that's at risk of automation? No. You you. You know, I mean, I think that you'd have to raise the price so much that it wouldn't really make any sense. Um, hot dog, maybe, you know, in 40 years, hot dog bot will prove me wrong and come on this podcast. All right. What but, does Silicon Valley have to say about the hot dogs? They're too busy <laughs> drinking Soylent. And yeah. <laughs> Soylent out of their Juiceros. Gross. <laughs> but, uh, you know, not to get all Malcolm Gladwell about this, but I think one part that kind of Ernest hit on that I think is, like, super into it is the whole, like, sense memory and nostalgia aspect of it so when you're interacting with like a mom and pop um you know let's just call it a hot dog stand you know you're, you're making memories that aren't just the memories of what you saw and heard it's the memories of what you like you smelled and you tasted and those aren't necessarily things you replicate in the same way when you're buying like slacks at sears and that's why you know no more sears but i think hot dog stands are here to stay right you can i think you just there's also just a, a culture around food Right. It's a culture of togetherness. It's a culture of I want you, you know, to feel happy, to feel content, to be full. And I think that no matter what, and that's why, you know, the street vendors in Thailand, like you it doesn't matter where you are. I think food culture is something that is like recession and tech proof. Like People will feed each other. People will find food. People will work, come together to, you know, break bread together. Yeah, we have a do we have a hot dog named after the depression. That's yeah. how much. That's how much the depression <laughs> can kill hot dogs. Right. <laughs> and literally, the hot dogs survived the Great Depression. Hot dogs were like, we'll we'll take your name yeah. and just sure. make it a thing. Um, depression dogs are fire though. Oh hey, yeah, they're so fire. Red Hot Ranch, right? Mm -hmm. Red Hot. Tell me again. Tell me again. What describe? Red Hot Ranch. Yeah, we can talk about that. What is a depression dog? What what is a depression dog? And correct me if I'm wrong. Mustard, mustard, onions, onions sport relish, yeah, and fries, and fries on it, fries packed in, yeah, rolled oh, up yeah. with the dog. So oh, get, that sounds good. You get more bang for your buck. So I think the best one I've had is the one at Red Hot Ranch. Yeah, and so, Red Hot Ranch, man, those the just separate plug, separate show. Those hamburgers are Red Hot Ranch's amazing. cheeseburger is the best value cheeseburger in the city of Chicago. That's the best. Do they you have could, a do they have a double? 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's my preferred vehicle. I love, vehicle. I love the You can eat 50 of those in the time it would take you to stand in line behind all those man buns to get the uh, burger from uh, Oh, man. Al-Shaval? Yeah, see? I can't even say something mean <laughs> within remember the whole thing. And I love the All Cheval burger, but like this is like right up there. I, I've recently discovered uh, the cast iron skillet on the grill for making burgers at home. Mm-hmm. Man, oh man, is that good. Not that me. Is, uh, I'm one of those people. I don't want to make a burger at home. I want to go out and eat a burger. Because there's well, somebody you, who's you doing, gotta live. You I don't gotta live. Top. Move up into the north side where there's like I'm where I live. Okay, I'm talking further. further. Okay. Keep he on wants going. you to move to Keep Edison Park. Going. Keep on going. Yeah. Cross the, the river. The there is like are I, ten feet above I swear the ground. There's, there's two restaurants in walking distance, so it's like I know you're you're in everywhere you look. Probably there's a great place to oh, eat. Oh man, for, you kidding me? We got over by us. There is a caviar bar. <laughs> uh, what? Don't ask questions. A good place for brunch good. is that uh I haven't been there for brunch. <laughs> um but as far as burgers, the best option I have by me is Fatso's. Oh Fatso's a good burger. I, I actually filled, man. Actually, preparing for this podcast, I was thinking, well, I might just want to have a, a hot dog after this podcast. And guess what the best local is? It's yeah, Fatso's. Fatso's. Yeah. yeah. They know what they're doing, man. That's again, yeah. but the, but I remember going in when Phil was still alive. Well, it used to be Phil's last stand before he died. And like he was sitting at the counter and he was just talking like shit to everybody at all times. It was funny. And like I think to your point, the sense memory is great, but the nostalgia of those nights when you're drunk and you've had a great time, you've been on, you know, with your buds all day and you go in, you get a hot dog, you're sitting there, you're talking about business ideas that'll never work. And mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where I think that's a it's a fundamental piece of my 20s that I'm always going to remember making memories but that's the point yeah exactly yeah can't you can't order that up on an app man uh, not yet <laughs> <laughs> not yet okay so wrapping up today John you want to tell people they can find your stuff sure I'm at Instagram Twitter I don't really use Facebook Instagram and Twitter mm-hmm. at uh, UT Chicago. I went to the University of Tennessee. Yeah. You can get that name anywhere. Balls. Uh, also, check out what Revolution Brewing is doing at Rev Brew Shy on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, come out and drink some beers with us sometime. Yeah, if, you, if you've never been to the tap room, you really need to go. It's a fantastic experience. Don't go when I'm there, though, because it gets too crowded. <laughs> <laughs> this has been great. Thank you so much yeah, for coming thanks, on. John, thanks for having me. And for the rest of you fantastic subscribers and listeners, this is another episode of Office Hours. My name is Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Menokel. Remember, share this episode if you like it. Subscribe. We are everywhere podcasts can be found. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will see you next time. Favorite actor, Dennehy, favorite drink or dolls, bears, hawks, socks, bulls. So say goodbye a little longer like I ate a piece of big red. Grow a mustache the size of Mike Dicker's forehead. Hair combed to the side, looking like a piece of foam. Buick speakers, red cooler, 85 bear zubas, polar sausage, bratwurst. Walking like my cockers, Stacey Adams, no shirt, jewels to get a case of squirt. Wife's pissed cause I forgot to get the minute rice. So I'm back in the damn Buick to get a stinking bag of ice. To get a stinking bag of rice, my wife Jules is cute. Her taste really moved me like I ate juicy fruit. Had me dancing like Chris Penn and Footloose, 85 Walter Ruth.
blues, old style pack of cruise, go to ace, no tools and weed whacker fuel. 85 bear silver, stay Seattle's got room for the basement sump pump, shop vac, clean up, cook brats, cook chops, your heat shouldn't be that hot. Keep your juices in the chops, keep your juices in the brats. Serve them on paper plates, tater salad and grape pop. My favorite actor was Denny long before he played night. When Barringer was a substitute, everything was going right. Even after Jordan left and Dave Corzine retired, Sean Dunstan's wild throws and Mike Dick got fired. Favorite actor Denny, favorite drink called Dolls, Bears, Hawks, Sox, Bulls. Play softball with the guys, wife made curly fries, drink about four doles, grounded out two pop flies, in the Buick down western, stop and get some more brats, on sale chicken, Italian sausages, orange pop, this week fishing trip, gotta get some new flies, wife packed turkey subs, Jay's chips and peach pies, watch a little Dennehy, pull out the laser disc, sniper one, two and three, Barringer makes great flicks, listen to the shuffle, rewind Richard Dick's part, damn I left those orange pops in the trunk of the Skylark, sneak a couple old doles, shit there's my damn wife, you know honey I'll be back, I got to get some more ice back in the damn Buick. I should go to the damn bar. I saw Dick once in the Eatons in a sports car. Favorite actor, Benahy. Favorite drink, old bulls. Bears, Hawks, Sox, Bulls. Play a little poker. Spend time with the wife. Take her out to Bennigan's. See if they cook chops right. Go and get a laser disc. Projection screen TV. Portillo's Italian beef and a movie star Tommy B. Back in the damn Buick. Cut on WCKG. Caught a song by Glenn Fry and an interview with Dennehy. So I'm driving down Western Ave. Think I'm gonna stop at Zayers. Got a splitting freaking headache, so I popped a couple bears. So I'm back in the damn Buick. Think I need an oil check. The baddest of George Thorough good smoke stones on my deck. Read the sports section. Bears and their old line. Trying to find a decent Fierro with a for sale sign. Cut on WCKG. Huey Lewis and the news. The heart of rock and roll is still beating. Do, 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 bears. Do, do, do. Favorite actor, Denny. Favorite drink, all those. Bears, Hawks, Sox, Bulls. Favorite day, Sunday. Favorite team, the Bears. Favorite store, Ventures. Sayers, Sayers. Favorite show, Danza. Also, the news. Weatherman, Skilling. Music, the Bulls. Favorite actor, Denny. Favorite drink, all those. Bears, Hawks, Sox, Bulls. Coach of the Bears, we at least get 10 wins. 10 wins, Dennehy on the O-line, Barringer a tight end. Barringer favorite actor, Dennehy, favorite drink called Dolls. Bears, Hawks, Sox, Bulls. Favorite actor, Farina, Andrew, Tons, Bronx, Chops, Bronx, they're done. Bears, Hawks, Sox, Bulls, 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 Bulls. Favorite actor, Farina, Dandruff, Tons, Bronx, Chops, Dogs, they're done. Favorite coach, Dicka, Vacation Place, Conson, Sausage, Johnson, Chicken, Swanson's, other actor, Barringer, linebacker, Buckus, Chopped, Peppers, Tomatoes, Onions, 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 Favorite Mayor Daly, Cigarettes, Coles, Stanley, Makes, Great, Dolls, Favorite Judge Mathis, Favorite Drink Old Dolls, Hawks, Cubs, Bears, Bull, Favorite Tower Sears, Favorite Song to Shuffle, Jays, Fritos, Doritos, Ruffles, 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 Office Hours with Ernest Wilkins was recorded live at Mass in the greatest city in the world, Chicago, USA.